up, fam? Welcome back to the Will That's Good podcast. Happy Wednesday, everybody. I hope you're having a great week, but let me tell you, it is about to get better because we have a very special guest on the podcast. She has a new book out. We have Katie Davis Majors, and she has a new book out called Safe All Along. I love the subtitle, Trading Our Fears and Anxieties for God's unshakable peace. How many of you need that? I know I do. So Katie, we're so grateful that you're on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes, this is awesome. And I was just mentioning before we popped on that I actually got to meet you in Uganda like seven years ago or something, which is so cool. Yeah, so fun. I can't I can't believe it's been that long. And I also can't. Like it feels like so long ago and also just <laughs> totally. It is weird. It is a weird thing how life works, but I'm so grateful to get to talk to you. And um, first, I want to ask you the question I ask everybody who comes on the Well That's Good podcast before we dive into everything else. And this is a little bit of an intimidating question, but Katie, what's the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? Oh my goodness. I know. I just hit you with it. It comes It comes on strong. Oh gosh. That's such a hard question, but I, I think... Right before I moved to Uganda, when I was 18 years old, I asked my young life leader at the time, um, how am I going to know what God wants me to do? And mm-hmm. she just looked at me and said, Katie, God is so much more concerned with who you were going to be than what you were going to do. Wow. And so you just need to focus on being who he wants you to be. And so um, I have gone back to that again and again and again and again and again um and you know that was gosh almost 20 years ago but that's definitely the best piece of advice that i've ever gotten wow that is like the best piece of advice ever especially i mean i'm just thinking about so many people listening right now especially um in their young 20s i feel like there's this big question like what am i gonna Mm -hmm. do and there's such a fear surrounding it that what if what if i mess up what if i don't do the right thing or what if God's leading me to something and I do the wrong and there's just like you put this pressure on yourself but I so agree with that like God's so much less concerned with what you're going to do he's so much more concerned with who you're going to be and who you are going to be is going to lead you into what you're going to do right and so that is just like the best piece of advice ever so let's go there so you're 18 years old you're about to move to Uganda was that like the plan (laughs) How, how did that even happen that you were like 18 and thought that you were gonna well not just thought that you did move to Uganda how'd you get to that point well my mom and I had gone on a short-term trip over my Christmas break of my senior year at school so about three weeks we went over and we volunteered in an orphanage and while we were there we met a pastor and his family that ran a different orphanage that was further outside the town where we were staying and he had very little staff and like a lot of kids, 120-ish kids. And he just said like, wow. I feel like the Lord is speaking over your life that you're going to come back here and work. Do you want to come back and volunteer with me for a little while? And so I was wow. like, oh, sure, maybe. I don't know. Maybe I will. <laughs> um, and so <laughs> wow. I came back to the States and finished up high school and prayed about it. I had applied and got into several colleges, but I ultimately decided I would take a gap year. Um and go and volunteer with him for a year. And I helped him kind of start up this little preschool and kindergarten program and get that off the ground for the kids in his orphanage. And uh, I mean, long, long story short, just like totally fell in love with uh, Uganda and the people and the landscape. It's just, as you know, 
such a gorgeous, gorgeous place with the kindest, most hospitable people. And so um, wow, started building my life there and my gap were turned into a lot of years. Wow. How long were you there for? I was there about 15 and a half years. Wow. So, so almost, yeah, it was a almost little gap year. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Wow. That's so crazy. This might be an obvious Answer or maybe not. I don't know. But were you scared like at 18 to move? Were, were your parents scared? How did you kind of get the confidence to actually take that leap of faith and go? I think I my parents just raised me to have like a super adventurous spirit and to love travel and to love different cultures. And so I think I was sad that that first year in Uganda because I was leaving behind, you know, good friends and um, just kind of this sweet, almost American dream-like life. And so I think I was sad and missed that. And I felt lonely in Uganda, especially that first year. Um, There weren't a ton of English speakers around where I was living. I just felt kind of isolated, but I didn't feel scared. And I I think, I don't know, Mm -hmm. I think part of that is just being, yeah, I mean, we moved back to the States about a year and a half ago, and I felt way more scared to do that. Really? I was like, you know, a grown-up with a family and kids and whatever, like that felt yeah. way more scary. I think just going off on my own at 18. Yeah. I don't know. And and some yeah. of it, I think, is just that God equips us for what he wants us to do. And so he removed that fear from me. My parents were definitely fearful. Um, I don't think as much for my safety, but just at the thought that I might be throwing away opportunity. And they had worked really hard. Yeah to create a life for me in which I had every opportunity to do whatever I wanted to do. And so I think they were worried about what I might be throwing away or not taking advantage of. Yeah, missing out on for sure. Yeah. Well, I think that's really cool to just share that because I think so many people are contemplating big moves in their life or, you know, feeling called to a certain thing, but the fear of what will my parents think or what will it be like? And I think that it's so cool to share the reality of when you got there, there was like a year of loneliness and a year of just trying to like find your footing. And I feel like a lot of people nowadays, because I guess you mentioned the American dream, it's like we so desire comfort yeah. over everything that it's like, if it's not comfortable, then is this the right thing to do, you know? And so, so many people tap out, you know, at the year mark or the six month mark and they don't make it past that because they're like, oh, well, this isn't comfortable. This must not be right. Or sometimes we even take it even further. This isn't comfortable. This must not be God, Yeah. which I don't know why we think that. If you've read the Bible, doesn't mean that you're going to be comfortable when you follow God. But how did you make it past that year of the loneliness? Did you ever question, is this right? Is this really you? Or did you always kind of have like a, I know I'm supposed to be here feeling? Yeah, that's a great question. And I so resonate with that idea of like, man, so often we feel like, oh, if, if I'm not enjoying this or I'm not comfortable, yeah, like maybe this isn't God's plan for me, which is just hilarious because you see Paul like in prison, you know, <laughs> yeah. and all the early you're disciples right. and you're like, yeah, I don't think God's plan and our enjoyment <laughs> always necessarily go together. I think um, for that first year in Uganda, I definitely felt that I was where God had me. And I mean, I think it was easier to feel that way because there was such tremendous need all around me and a lot of the things were really basic, right? Like, The kids in my class were Mm -hmm. hungry or maybe a neighbor didn't have the money to pay for the medical care they needed. Like they were smaller needs that I could meet. And so 
that yeah. is sulfuring for cool. me and feels really good and really purposeful. But I think also there was like a stubbornness aspect to me. <laughs> I felt like it was one of the times where God like, you know, takes your faults and uses them for good because I think um, I really did want my parents or my friends or people from my hometown to kind of be like, oh, see, we told you you would like it. Yeah. You came home early. So there was definitely that side of it too, of like <laughs> just pushing through to prove myself. Um, but then yeah. once I did push through, you know, I found that I really did love it. And I did, I really did have so much joy. It's funny, even when yeah. we had a series of circumstances, like I said, about a year and a half ago, where both my husband and I, um, felt felt really deeply that God was saying that it was time for us to stay in the States. We were actually here on what was supposed to be a three-week trip, and we were headed back home to our home in Uganda. Mm. Um, And a lot of different circumstances lined up, and a lot of doors here opened, and a lot of doors in Uganda closed. uh, And we were still kind of in the middle of pandemic stuff. And for me, it was the first time in my life, um, I guess when I moved to Uganda, I felt clearly that it was what God wanted me to do, and I also wanted mm-hmm. to do it. And so that felt yeah. really good. Uh, moving back to the States, it felt really clear, and I just like had this deep knowing in my spirit that this is what God had next for us, and yet it wasn't really what I wanted. And so I wrestled wow. with that a lot. And when it was really, the transition was really hard, I mean, like like we've been talking about, I moved to Uganda when I was 18. So it was my first experience living outside my parents' house. Like everything I know how to do yeah. in adult life, I learned in that context, you know, uh, getting wow. my oil changed or paying my water bill. Like I know how to do all that in a completely different world. And so to move back here wow. as an adult and as a married person and as a person with a job and a person who has kids that she's responsible for and really trying to help you know, all my family members suggest that felt way harder and way scarier. Um, And I did, I did have moments of like, wait, this is so, so hard. Like, did I, Hmm. did I hear the word wrong? Like, did I just, did I just make that up that, that I felt like this Mm -hmm. is where he wanted us, Um, which is such like a false, you know, it was like such a false theology of like, well, God, if this is what you like are asking us to do, why is it so challenging? You know, I was with some friends last weekend that I had been with a year ago when we first moved. And um, a, a lot of people were just like, wow, you seem to be like better. Like you're better. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was around friend there, guys. But I just feel like I can, <laughs> I can look back. Um, and I felt like multiple cool. times in the hardship, I just, there were so many times when I endured it over and it just was like, God, why? Like, why are you doing this? Like wow. our whole life and our community and everything we love and everything that we built, we left it over there on the other side of the world, you know, and we came here wow. and we didn't have friends and we didn't have community and we had our parents and they were so gracious and great, but like our kids didn't know anyone. And I just kept asking God, like, why, why, why? And I felt like over and over again, he just dropped into my spirit the line, I'm making you more like me. And, you know, there were wow. definitely the days of being like, I don't know if I want that. This is too hard. <laughs> but, you know, I looked back over yep. the last year and a half and like without a, a hint of like pride or boastfulness, that is not what I mean by that. But and look back over the last That's cool. year and I feel like, 
oh, I see it. Like you were, you were making us That's more cool. like you. Like you're making me more like you and my husband more like you and my kids more like you. And so it hasn't been easy, but I think I'm finally in a place to go like, yeah, but it's been worth it because we've like known God in our dependence in a way That's cool. that we wouldn't have known him if it wasn't so painfully hard. Yeah. Wow. That's so cool. And it's so powerful. I actually just finished, I've been listening to this audio book. It was about the story of Richard Warmbrand. I don't know if you've heard of him. Uh, he was um, just a Christian, a pastor in Romania during the time of communists and everything. And it was like a 10 and a half hour audiobook, And I have been just, I could not stop listening to it. And his revelations the whole time were that the suffering was making him more like Christ. The suffering was making him understand more of God's love. And actually, like, through suffering and through being tortured, like, he then understood the true love of God for the people torturing him. Like, it was just this, like, crazy idea, right? That through suffering and through pain and through hardship that we really do get to discover the goodness of God. And um, I mean, listening to this, I was just blown away because in my life, I have not had to go through things to that extent, you know, um, that have pushed me to a certain place where it really reveals that core, you know, belief. But the things that, that I have gone through that are hard, I can say, it has revealed those same things, the love of God, the goodness of God. You become more like Him. And I love you wrote this in the book. I thought this was really cool when you talked about lamenting, that lamenting actually gives you an opportunity for worship. And it's like these things that are so um, contradicting to the world, but they work like perfectly together in the kingdom of God. And so it's so cool to hear that that part of your story, that through this, y'all were becoming more like him. Through this, y'all were seeing him in new ways. Through the hard, you know, God was producing so much good. And so, and it's cool just to see what a year of a difference does. I, I'm not a great journaler, but the one year I did journal, it was really cool from birthday to birthday to see the growth in like who I was as a person and even how I handled hard things and challenges that threw out my way. I was so much quicker to worship than I used to have been, so much quicker to fix my eyes and see where God was. Not not saying that there weren't still tears involved with that, but it was just a different heart perspective. So that is just awesome. So you mentioned, you know, being married and having kids now. And one of the crazy parts of your story is that you adopted, was it 13 girls by the time you were like 23? So by the time you got to Uganda from 18 to 23, how did that happen that you sure. came onto adoption and adopting not only one, but 13 girls? Yeah. So um, during my time in Uganda, initially, I've been working at this orphanage and I've gotten, gotten to know just a ton of people in the community and um, one thing that I saw that was really surprising to me as an American was that a lot of the kids that were living inside the orphanage would talk about going to visit their mom, going to visit their dad, or going to visit their grandma or their aunts or their uncles or whatever. Like they all had families that they talked about. So I just started asking more questions. So like, okay, what do you what do you mean? Like I just thought like my Western perspective was like that if you lived in an orphanage, your parents were like dead and gone and they you anymore and yeah so it just started asking like what do you mean you go you know you go visit can I go visit with you and what does that look like and as I started to understand more the dynamic of the community it was usually that 
the children were put in the orphanage so that they could go to school and they could eat healthy food multiple times a day and they could have medical treatment when they needed it, things like that. People worked giving their children up because they didn't want them or because they couldn't take care of them, but because they were they were poor and they thought that their kids yeah. had these better opportunities if they lived at the orphanage. And school in Uganda is not free. And so school mm. is a huge expense for a family, especially a family that has multiple children, which most Ugandan families are large and have multiple children. And so kind of organically, I started paying for a couple of the kids in this village that didn't live at the orphanage to go to school as a way to kind of keep them out of orphanage care and living with their grandmother. Um, and then I was telling my mom on the phone about that one day and she was like, oh, well, are there more kids that need to go to school? Like, I, I want to send some. And I was like, I mean, yeah, sure. There are plenty, like there's plenty of need, like yeah. I said, all around. And so within that first year, I was actually just kind of on my own sending 40 kids to school. And so I was like collecting a little wow. money from friends and family at the States and sending these kids to school. And once the number kept growing and growing, I decided to form a nonprofit. Um, the nonprofit's called Amazma, which means truth in the local language in Uganda. And so cool. it was my heart really that um, these kids didn't just have an education and have access to food and medical care and things that they need, but that they would also um, come to know Jesus. And so they would That's go to school cool. and I would hang out with their families or meet with them in the evenings and we would study the Bible together. I would have all the kids over to my like little one room house on Fridays and we would read the Bible together. And I just, I wanted them to have more than just like a good life, but the opportunity for eternal life. And so I was doing that cool. for a couple of years and now Amasma has grown and is huge. And we have schools and yeah, a staff of over 300 and they're awesome. And I get to just kind of wow. back and forth between here and Uganda and check in on them and encourage them some. But after a couple of years of doing that, so I kind of decided, okay, clearly I'm going to stay here for a while. Um, moved out of the orphanage into this other little house in the same community, like just down the road. And um, there, came, there was a situation that came up where a couple of the kids that I was already paying to go to school they were in this terrible accident the old the house fell down um that they were staying in in a storm because the house was really unsturdy and the oldest was injured and in the hospital and the two little guys didn't have a place to stay and so i just kind of said like okay well they can come and stay with me while we like figure things out and long story short we looked for a long time for other family members during that time, their grandmother passed away and she had been kind of their primary wow. caregiver. Um, and so, I, I mean, it was basically like this extended sleepover. Like I just kept stay, saying like, you can yeah. stay here a little longer, you can stay here a little longer. And then after they had stayed for a while, I began like the government process of like, okay, I think I need to become a foster parent so that they can legally keep staying with me. Um, and after I became their foster parent, they started calling me mom. And I just oh, really wow. prayed and prayed and felt like the Lord saying, like, yeah, you're going to be, you're going to be their mom. And so I began wow. the journey. It's a super long process Uganda, to go from being a foster parent to being like an officially adopted parent. When I started the journey of files and miles of paperwork, you know, and um, so that happened five more times where a sibling set was placed with me uh originally wow. for like a temporary foster placement and we did have lots of temporary foster kids over the years that would come and then go back but um for these 
13, uh, they're, they're predominantly sibling sets and they just didn't, we just weren't able to locate family members that they could go back to. And so they stayed. Wow. And then uh, a couple years later, I met my husband. Thank you, Lord. So I cool. still sometimes <laughs> am like, my husband is from, so I grew up in Broadway. My husband grew up in Franklin. So we are from like. No way. Yes. yes like we could have like been at the same like sporting events in high school and we didn't. Wow. We didn't know each other. I mean, God is just, I don't know. Sometimes still, I mean, we've been married eight and a half years and I still look back and just think like, God, you did not. Like you're so kind to Whoa. me. Like I cannot believe you did that. So. He was in Uganda doing mission work with a different organization. And we had just kind of bumped into each other a little bit. He started coming to our church. He joined a small group that I was a part of. So that's how we became friends. Um, and we decided to get wow. married. And so he just kind of jumped in on the paperwork with me. And we adopted our girls together. And then wow. we went on to have two more babies. And because God is fun and funny, um, both our babies are boys. So we've got That's 13 awesome. girls and then we've got two little boys down at the end who are like ridiculously doted on and so much fun and like this total oh like gosh. different kind of energy than girls. Like sometimes I still, they're four and six now and I still look at that and I'm like, what? What are you doing? Like your sister's just like didn't <laughs> What are you doing? <laughs> but they're, they're so That's fun. so funny. Oh my gosh, that is the coolest story because I just love it for so many reasons. And I hope that every girl out there and guy is listening to that, that like you moved to Uganda and you were about to adopt 13 kids and like you still end up meeting your husband who is like from literally, if you know Franklin and Brentwood, it's like neighbor, like like right beside each other, like 10 minutes. I mean, literally sporting events, the whole thing. But you meet him in Uganda on mission work, Bible study, like the whole thing is so crazy because I have people that tell me friends here because I live in a small town. They're like, I'm never going to meet my husband in this small town. And I'm like, Okay, God is so much bigger than this small town, you know? If God and I just think, to like, do it, God is going to do it. <laughs> He's going to do it. I'm like, look at Katie. That's look right. at her story. If she can move to Uganda and adopt 13 girls and still find the love of her life, then that is yeah. a God thing over a Bible study. I mean, that is just so cool. And again, it kind of goes back to your first piece of advice. Much more concerned with what you do. It's really who you are and who you are is going to lead you to what you do and who you are is going to lead you to the person that you end up marrying. Who you are is going to lead you to the friend group and the community that you have. Who you are really does. Like if you're doing um, the thing God's called you to do, that's an overflow of what he's, you know, been doing in you, then he aligns the path for the people that need to be in your life. And I think about that with my husband. I mean, I'm from the small town too that everybody's scared they're not going to find a husband in. And I met my husband at the beach, you know, like just so random and so crazy. But when I'm like, look at him, that's not random. Like that was God's perfect timing and intention. And like we we recount our story too and we're like we had so many opportunities to meet over the years before we were in the same place like three different times and we didn't and it was just God's timing that it was supposed to be then and who he was shaping us into being by the time we met was really great for each other to partner together so I just love that and I just think that's so cool so uh, I'm actually pregnant right now with my second girl and so I'm about to have little sisters in my house and our whole thing at LO the ministry that I run is to be a good sister and a 
friend. Like we are all about sisterhood, all about friendship. And so I'm curious with 13 girls in your house, uh, one, I want to know before I even ask that, one, did, did you have sisters growing up? And two, with the 13 girls, what have you learned about sisterhood and just the value of it in your own home? That's so good. I did not have sisters growing up. I always wanted a sister. Well, I have one little brother, so a reasonably small well, family. And um, I think it's funny how God just like prepares you for what he's going to do in your life one day that you can't even see. Like from a very young age, I wanted a large family and I wanted adopted children. I'm like, I don't know where that came from because that wasn't my life experience or something that I had exposure to. Like I feel like God just put that well, dream in my heart. Um, and sisters, man, sisters are the best. It was really, I mean, I think it was really special because God just, a lot of our kids, a lot of the sisters especially are like kind of similar ages because, you know, they were adopted mm-hmm. from different families. Yeah. And so their ages overlap. Some of them are even a year apart. And so they were very close wow. in age. And, you know, it's kind of with so many different sisters are closer to different sisters. And one thing that is really special to me in, um, in our family that I don't think I talk about much just because I've never been asked about it. But, um, you know, obviously as siblings, that's a lot of the girls came into my family with their biological sisters. But over mm-hmm. the years of living together as family, like you would be able to look at our family and pick out, oh, these two are really close and these two are good buddies. And predominantly, that doesn't have anything to do with biology. Like it wow. has a lot more to do That's with like cool. ages and who shared bedrooms growing up and like the different yeah. sports or activities or singing or different things that they were involved in and like just different personalities. And so it's really fun. It's cool. And such a beautiful picture of what God does, yeah. right? Like even as you talk about sisterhood and you're not talking about biological sisterhood, you're talking about sisterhood in the body of Christ and just yep. like, I feel like in my family, I see a picture of what God does because of course it's a tragic and terrible thing to ever be in a place in your life where you need to be adopted. And a lot of times in adoption, you like Mm -hmm. skip over that and go straight for the good part of like, isn't that awesome that you have an adopted family? And it's like, well, that's redemptive. And like, because we serve a good God, he can do redemptive things. But it's also like something pretty terrible and traumatizing had to happen to ever get a child to the point where they need a second family and so that god could take that and take that sadness and through it like in my home make a place where people who aren't related at all who might even never have known each other are now not just sisters but like the best of friends yeah that is really cool and really beautiful. It's beautiful. Um, and you know, it's sisters. It's, it's not all sunshine and roses and, and happy. I of feel course, like I just yeah. painted a really beautiful picture of it, but like they bite me, get on each no, other's nerves true. and they hurt each other. And I hurt them and they hurt me and we yeah. do a lot of apologizing, a lot of apologizing and a lot of yeah. like, oh my gosh, I screwed that up. And a lot of <laughs> yeah. Honest conversations, you know, when one of them's coming yep. to me and I'm saying like, okay, well, did you talk to her about it? Or do you want me to step in and help you yeah. talk to her about it? I mean, there's of course a ton of that, especially with so many young women under one roof, but it's super it's cool. A lot of them now. So, I mean, a lot of them were like seven, eight, nine years old when I adopted them. And so now it's, you know, 
12, 13, 14 wow. years later. And so they're grown. A lot of them don't live with us anymore. They're in college and they're working um, and they live in their own apartments. But like some of them live together and some of them go to college together. And even I was, cool. I was just with one of our daughters for lunch before this. And she was like headed off to hang out with two of her sisters. And she was telling me a story of she had been through something not too long ago where she was really upset and she said that she just called one of her sisters and her sister came over and like got in bed with her and then another time she'd called the sister and been like i don't know i don't think i can go to work today like i'm too sad and her sister came over and was like get up let's go we're going like you gotta go to work and so um just such a like as a mom i often look and think like man i did a lot of stuff wrong and like I have messed it up in every possible yeah. way that you can as a mother, but like how gracious that God like has given you each other and that like yes. as sisters you've grown up and like now you'll always kind of have people in your corner. And I think, you know, that's the beauty of like what you're trying to create at LO or like, you know, just this sisterhood of like let's come around each other so that no matter what, like yes. you always have people in your corner because sometimes we all need somebody yes. to like come over and drag us out of bed you sometimes. You do. <laughs> you do. See, that's the beauty of sisterhood. That's different than just like a friend because a friend, sometimes they, they're they not super honest with you, you know, because they're trying to just, you know, uh, comfort you and hype you up. But a sister would be like, no, girl, get out of bed. I'm coming with you. We're, we're going. You know, they're, they're honest with you, but they're loving at the same time. Like they show up for you. They get you out of bed. Sometimes they show up and they lay in bed. But it's like this honesty and this true love. And I think it's so beautiful to admit. And it's true. Like sisters fight. You're going to fight. You're going to apologize. But the beauty of sisterhood is like you don't give up. You don't walk away right. because you're family. And and I just love, I love that about the, um, just how it's not always about the biological sibling. It's, it really has to do with just the heart. And I think that that's the amazing thing about sisterhood, whether you had a sister growing up or you didn't, like you, there is sisterhood out there in the world that's available in the fullest capacity, you know, even if they're not a biological sibling. I, I have friends of mine who I have great sisters who are biological sisters and actually I have an adopted sister who's no different than my biological right. sister, but then I also have friends who are just like sisters and that honest, loving, like never ending friendship kind of thing. And so I just love that you painted such a beautiful, but honest picture of sisterhood. So I got to ask you, um, you know, you've written s- several books, three now. Am I yeah. right on that? Okay. So cool. Uh, Kisses from Katie being your first and daring uh, to hope. Yeah, and then, great. yes. Okay. I, I read job. that one. I loved it. And then, yes, and then safe all along now. So how did you start writing? Did you know this was a gift that you had when you wrote Kisses from Katie? What was the heart behind even starting it? And actually, I think, um, didn't Beth Clark help you on that? She did. Do you know Beth? And she, yes, she did my okay. first, like, three books, awesome. too. And I love her. She's wonderful. So she's just Awesome. So I, I remember whenever it was actually kind of cool. Whenever they put me with Beth for my first book, I thought it was so cool that she did your uh-huh. book. I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. So how did you get into writing in the first place? Yeah. So actually when I moved to Baja, I started keeping a blog. I was like back when blogs were big. Um, yes. And so I was writing a blog. I mean, really just to keep up, you know, to let my family and the handful of people who had like given me a little bit of money to go over to Uganda to kind of keep them updated. And the blog just got like really popular. 
like a lot, a lot of people started reading it. And wow. so I had publishers start reaching out to me and just say, hey, you know, could we turn your blog into a book? Have you thought of making this story a book? And I mean, I was like 20, uh, maybe 21, 22. Like I was really wow. young at the time. So I was kind of like, oh, I don't know. Sure. And then they were like, okay, cool. We're going to send this lady back. And she's going to like, wow. you around and write it all down, you know? And so she kind of took all my blog posts and stuff that she got from me and just hanging out with us in our home and turned it into a manuscript that I then approved. Um, had no idea, like no thought in my mind that it would sell like it did. Yeah. <laughs> so then I was kind of like, oh, yes. wow, this happened. Yeah. Um, which is great. But I do feel like, I mean, yeah, I do feel like I look back at that book and think like, wow, one, when you're like 21, 22, all like some really strong opinions. Um, and there are a lot of things that I still feel strongly about. And then there are things that I've like really changed my mind on, you know, and that's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also just, uh, yeah, just have like had zero idea that it would sell as well as it did. You know, just kind of think like, yeah. sure, I'll write a book. Like people, do, people write books, whatever. We'll <laughs> uh, and so... Yeah, that's, I don't know, not to say that it wasn't a good experience, but it wasn't like an intentional, I don't, as intentional yeah, as I wanted it was just wild. Yeah, so then for a while, yeah. I was really kind of like overwhelmed by all the attention we were getting. It was kind of like, I'm never writing a book again. No. Yeah. But I do love writing and I am a big journaler, so I process my writing. And so then several years later, I guess right after I got married. I like really felt in my spirit that the Lord was prompting me to write again and that I wanted to write it myself this time. So my second book, Daring to Hope, I wrote um, without that love, Beth, but I don't, it was really a sweet process and a healing process for me to kind yeah. of write through it myself. And it was cool. a lot of different stories of people God had brought to live with us over the years, just um, different experiences. It's really cool. We had had, and then about probably a couple years ago, we had just like some big family stuff and um, it brought up in me just a lot of fear and anxiety um, why our family members was really, really sick and it was just really hard. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> funny, after I kind of came through, in my mind, once I had kind of overcome the anxiety, I was like, oh, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to write it about yep. anxiety. I'm living in the peace of God and what this looks like and what this has looked like in my own life. And so I actually turned in like an outline of it to my publisher. And then really shortly after that, like what another big family thing. And then COVID was mm. weird and shut down the country and we couldn't get in or out of Uganda. And then shortly after we like found ourselves in the States and we were moving and so then my anxiety was like through the roof and I went back to my publisher yep. and was like, never mind. I take it back. I don't know about this. <laughs> I cannot write this book. Uh, but I had a really wow. good friend say to me during that time, you know, sometimes people don't want to learn from an expert. They want to learn from someone who's like in the struggle with them and also it's learning true. it. And I was like, okay, well, if that's true, then I suppose I can try to write this book. Um, and so <laughs> safe all along. I mean, a lot of it is just me kind of sharing as I am like, okay, yeah. God promises that he gives us peace. Paul says his peace transcends all understanding and do not be anxious about anything and cast your cares on them because he cares for you. And like in my 
head intellectually, I do know that's true. I do believe that that's true and do trust God. But like, how do I move that from head knowledge to like actually living out and walking? And I am by no means yeah. an expert. Like the things I wrote about in that book, I'm still going back to every day. Like, okay, yeah. like, how can we do this again? Um, but it was again, like yeah. a really healing book for me to write, especially. So the majority of it ended up being written once we were here in the States. And so I think, I feel That's like God cool. just gave me something to do and to work on that was creative. It kept me really grounded in a time that the rest of my life felt a little bit out of control. Crazy. Yeah. Well, you are a beautiful writer yeah. and you're so good at – you really are so good at putting um, your heart on paper and also just helping teach as you walk through things. And I Thank love you. how you're just taking God at his word in this. Uh, there's, you know, that verse like, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, all your strength. And sometimes I tell God, you know, God, like, I love you. You know, <laughs> it, it's easy to love you with all my heart and my soul and my stroke, but my mind is the crazy thing. Sure. Or it's like, or my mind loves you, but my heart is like, how do I, you know, it's like yeah. one part of you is just all in. Your head's all in. Your heart's like, wait, what? Or your heart's all in. Your head's like, hold on. And I think it's so beautiful to, to, not just sit on those anxieties or sit on those words, sit on those questions, but really dive in. Like, hey, God, if you say this, then show me what that means in my life. And so I just think that it's so cool that you did write this book. And I'm la- I was laughing when you said you turned the manuscript, you're thinking, you know, because I get that, you know, as soon as you think like, oh, I'm going to do this message because I got this. I and know. The whole time you're writing it, you really realize I do not have this. Oh my gosh. But it's so true. Like people, you know, people want a sister. People want to hear from somebody who's just honest and going through it. And it's like, hey, here's what I'm discovering about God. And here's here's what I'm discovering about myself. And that is just so practical and so relatable. And you just have so many great um, illustrations and scriptures that you break down that are going to help so many people. Um, so I, I want you to tell the opening story if you don't mind, just to set up the, this beautiful picture of the book. Because I was telling you that when we went to Uganda, we went whitewater rafting or whatever on the Nile River. And it was literally the most scary thing I've ever done. It was terrifying because the rapids there are literally crazy. You know, rapids here are all like, if it's dangerous, you don't do it. You know, you don't go on it. Or it might look dangerous, but it's Disney World. You're going to be fine. <laughs> but in Uganda... And Uganda, it's not Disney. It's like, no, you're going to fall out of the boat. You're going to just have to make it. Somebody from a kayak will pick you up and we'll meet you at the end. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, I just remember I was so terrified and I bought the T-shirt. I survived the Nile River. And so when I was reading this opening story, I was like, oh, my gosh, like, that is so scary because I know that water is crazy. Like people here might not be able to see in their mind how crazy those rapids actually can be or how one moment it can be still, the next moment it's like crazy. So tell us a little bit about what happened. And I know that was such a scary day, but um, just the revelation that came out of it that kind of set up the book. Yeah. So um, it's fun to talk to you and know that you've like experienced this so deeply so we we live right near the Nile River and so like that was kind of always our family Sunday we would go out kayak paddleboard and so it was like I don't know I'm setting it up so that nobody out there thinks like why do you have your kids in the river <laughs> like, it was like a, <laughs> yes 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 there are parts that are time, good right? so um and our girls are big and they're pretty good swimmer like everybody's a straw swimmer and so we had gone on our annual family camping trip um, and we found a new spot on the river that we wanted to try out. And so the first day 
that we were there, we were like, yeah, we're going to go down and jump in and swim. We were like jackets. So um, where we were, there was a new swimming sign. But my husband and our daughter, who would have been 18 or 19 at the time, were like, okay, we're going to jump in because we can see the current. And it kind of looked like you got in and the current just kind of brought you back around to the shore. It was like a circle. And so they did it. They jumped in. They circled back around to the shore. It was exactly what we thought would happen. So I was like, oh, that looks so fun. Come on, go again with me. And we jumped in. And I don't know if we like overshot the current and jumped too far or if the current, like you said, like they can just change. Like if it just changed in the middle. Mm-hmm. But within like a minute, we were out in like the middle Dang. of the river. The water is going so fast. You know, you're, you know that feeling when you're like swimming as hard as you can or running as hard as you can, and you could yes. feel that your body isn't moving. And so you're like using yes. all your energy, but you're not moving forward. And so terrible feeling. She's like over on one side of me. The shore is over on the other side of me. So I'm trying to simultaneously like swim to my left to get out but reached my right to get her so i was panicking uh wow i reached up and like a branch snapped off of my head i mean it was like something out of a movie um oh my so gosh I finally was able to catch onto this tree kind of that was hanging off but as i reached out to grab my daughter she went around the corner where i couldn't see her anymore so she's like oh my around gosh around the corner in the river i can't see her i can't hear her you know the river's loud roaring loud um, so I'm, I'm like waving at my family who's back on the shore trying to somehow let them know like I'm fine but like I don't have your sister like do something oh my and gosh. I can't they're far away like I can't see if they're worried or whatever but I can see a kind of like starting to walk over toward me so I'm like I'm just sitting there on this rock like screaming like Jesus please 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 like you have to save her I'm imagining wow. every worst case scenario of course, yes. And so as my family's like coming through the bushes on one side of me, I hear these footsteps running from the other side and I see my daughter and just wow. relief just like washes over me. And I, you know, I'm like grabbing her and screaming like, are you okay? Oh my gosh. And she's just like, yeah, I'm crying. Like it was fine. You know, wow. not scared. Again, 18 years old, not worried about what's <laughs> big. Um, oh my gosh. She kind of jumped off with her sisters and was like laughing. Like, come on, maybe we won't swim anymore today. Let's go play cards. Um, <laughs> and so I held it together oh and I played gosh. it cool until I found my husband. But then like when I helped my husband, of course, I just like fell apart, like lost it. And I was crying. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh. I'm so sorry. Like I thought I lost her. I, I, I thought she was gone, you know, crying and sobbing. And so we stood there for a few minutes. And finally, he said like, hey, I want to show you something. Then he took my hand and he led me like up the hill, like high up on this riverbank. And from way up there, you could see the river down below and you could see the whole path and all the twists and turns. And he just kind of started pointing out like, look, if you hadn't gotten out here, well, there was a little island over here you could have swam to. And like, there's this little ball over here you could have gotten to. And look over mm-hmm. there, the water's still and she could have gotten out. And he showed me all these different places where like we would have been safe. And I felt like the Lord just kept dropping into my spirit. Like you were safe all along. Wow. And at that time, um, we had just come out of that really hard season I told you about with our family. And I just remember like looking at the river and thinking like, oh yeah, God, like, 
this is what this looks like for mm-hmm. you. Like for me, I get like this view, it's like beautiful. eye level with yep. the rapids and I am panicking. But like God sees the whole thing. He sees the view from above. He sees all the ways he's going to carry us. And I just remember looking mm-hmm. back at the last season of my life, like, wow, mm-hmm. I have really panicked. And really, you know, because wow. to look down and see the river yep. as safe again, all my anxiety and fear and the panic I just felt a minute ago felt like kind of silly, yeah. like kind of ridiculous. Like, wow, you were really freaking out and you were okay. And just to look yeah. back at our life and go like, yeah, that was really hard. And we're like, you know, we're banged up and bruised in bed, but like, we're all right. And like, God still gave joy and God still kept us safe and God was still with us. Um and so I just thought, like, man, what would it look like, God, if I really, hmm. truly, deeply believed that you have under control? And, like, yeah, I'm down here in this life. I see just a little bit. And it is so easy to panic because I don't see the full picture. But God does. And so how it's beautiful? How do I stay down here in the chaos but live? Yeah with what I know is true, and that is that we have a God that is greater, and he's not going to leave us here alone. Gosh, that's beautiful. That's such a great, great story and such a great um, analogy and example for us that really and truly, like we only have this perspective and it does seem chaotic and it seems absolutely crazy and the river seems loud and the roars of the world seem intimidating and you don't see the full path on where you're going, but you get a little bit higher, you know, just I love that verse just as the heavens are higher, so are his thoughts and his ways for your life. And I remember when I went skydiving, I went skydiving because I really just wanted to prove to myself that I could do something scary. And I had this crazy revelation when I'm up in the sky falling, you know, uh, with this parachute (laughs) that I didn't feel afraid. It was crazy. I didn't feel afraid. And I I realized it was so peaceful. It was like we were going down so slowly. And I was like, I'm really like above all my fears right now. Like really the things that scare me are all on the ground. Like I thought skydiving was the scariest thing, but no, like I'm actually getting a perspective now on what it looks like to be above the fears of the world because this is God's view. Like, there's not scary. Like, literally, this bird flying by me, like, chilling. I'm like, this is, like, amazing. Like, what kind of peace do you have, like, when you get this, like, fresh perspective of what it looks like to just be higher, you know, yeah, to just be I above those things. And so I just – I love it. And that safe all along is just a beautiful – um beautiful word to keep in your heart as as you walk through those hard things that you might not see the end but but god does and he's with you in the midst of it so i am excited for people to read this book friends out there if you haven't gotten a pre-sale on this already or i don't know i guess by the time this podcast comes out it might already be out go check it out safe all along and you have so much to look forward to as you dive into katie's life you just got a 40 minute picture of who she is and how amazing her and her family are and i know you guys learned so much but like i mentioned she has other books out there that are incredible resources and katie i'm just grateful uh, that i got to connect with you wow, over podcast and grateful i got to meet you years ago and now you're a lot closer um to me than you used to be so next time in nashville i have to hit you yes, up but thanks again hi. for being on this podcast it was awesome thank you so much for having me i really enjoyed it